welcome to today's episode of Jazz Beats, your number one podcast for jazz news and entertainment. Here are your hosts, Jackson and Tyson. Welcome back to your favorite Utah Jazz podcast. I am Jackson Stevenette. This is my co-host, Tyson Curtis. Hello. This is my favorite jazz podcast as well. <laughs> Mine too. 100%. This is Jazz Beats. Thank you guys for listening. We do have uh, the one and only special guest of ours. You know him as Jordan Porter. Hey, Jordan. Glad to be here. <laughs> Love the podcast. Yes, yes. This is my third time. Third time. So basically a legend. That's like 300 times more than anybody else. It's like a, yeah, it is. I mean, Marley, she, she hasn't come back. No. <laughs> we not that she's turned us down. In her defense, Jordan, I think, invites himself to some yeah. of these, and right. Marley is too right. too kind-hearted to We've do that. We've actually changed studio locations several times, and somehow Jordan gets a lead and is just there when we get there to set up. Yeah. Yeah, Tyson, let's, let's just me. go record right now. Okay, we'll be. I'll be there. And then all of a sudden, Jordan's there, like he's it's just amazing. reading minds. Right. Anyways, welcome to Jazz Beats. Tons to talk about. The season has begun. We're three games in. I mean, this is this is the time. Uh, one hard loss out of those three, but and one sloppy win, and yep. then one fantastic win. Do we want to start with the games, or did, did you want to start? We we haven't talked about something that's that's pretty important. I think. Okay, um, let's dive in. Right it. before we left off last week, we talked about how Rudy hasn't signed his contract right, right. extension. And Mitchell yet. had just signed his. Yes. Right. So Rudy did sign. I think like that night or the next day. And he signed, okay, you ready, listeners, you ready? He signed a five-year, $205 million contract. Thoughts? Jordan, you're a big Gobert fan. Thoughts on the money? I was honestly thinking that we were going to have to give him the super max to keep him. How how much more would that have been really fast? I want to say that... The contract we gave him was 31% of the cap, and I think the Supermax is like 35% of the cap. Right. So math-wise, I don't know what that makes out I to think be. Giannis got that this year, and his was like 228, 230. Yeah, right. So not a huge... I mean, it really is a huge difference. I mean, we get <laughs> we get us? a raise for a couple bucks, and we're like, sweet, I can afford Netflix now, you know? <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. I love Rudy so much, and the fact that he was willing to, you know... Take a pay cut, poor guy. <laughs> and, I don't know uh, if you can consider that a pay cut, <laughs> but I am glad he accepted and that we were able to come to an agreement. Yeah, I I love Rudy. Like I just I love what he's about. I love how loyal he is to Utah. He acknowledges the Jazz fans are the best. He wants to be here. How do you not want a guy that wants to stay in Utah that's actually good at basketball? Did I love you, it. Did you guys read his letter? To Utah, yeah, I loved it. It Fantastic. was awesome. My wife like sent me a picture of it. It was right after I'd read it, and she was like, in almost in tears before she ended it because she thought he right. was leaving. Right, because it reminded me of Gordon Hayward. I was <laughs> yes. like, oh no, as I started reading. But there was so many positive. But so did Gordon. He started yeah. out saying how how much we raised him and how good it was to be in Utah. Yeah. But I was glad the end was where I wanted it to be. Yeah, the it letter was almost touching. The letter was good. If you haven't listened or read the letter, listeners, uh, go out and read Rudy's go Rudy's letter to the Jazz. It's, it's on our website. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I love him. I'm so the the hard part is about contracts and that we are not in the front office. We don't know what other negotiations are going on. Were there other players talking to him? Like if if the money's there and we have it and we're not going to spend it, we might as well pay it to Rudy. You know? 100%. Because yep. who knows who we could have gotten for the same amount or or split that between guys or if anything was even out there for us. So 
I, I have no issue with the money. It's sure it's a lot. Is he overpaid? We'll see. In the next five years will tell us. I don't know. Uh, I think he's a valuable player. Our whole offense and defense revolves around him. So to lose him as a key player for the Jazz, I think we would have had to restructure our style of play. And that could have cost us another season before we got it dialed in. Absolutely. So it's worth the money. Yeah, because if Rudy doesn't come back, then you're asking the question, all right, do we rebuild? The whole rebuild discussion, and right. I hate it. Right. It reminds me of late 2010s or whatever, the, yep. the Ty yep, Corbin yep, yep. era, the rebuild era, and that's not fun. H- having Mitchell and Gobert committed to the Jazz is kind of the Stockton and Malone. I feel like this, like there's these two guys that are really good, and they're a good team. I'm not saying that they're <laughs> Stockton and Malone, but it's kind of having the big guy and the little guy that are that represent Utah, right? I'm there. Right. Are you seeing statues in the future? Is that what you're telling me? Right. I want to see statues. Yeah. The, we the, have Stockton and Malone. Let's throw the two summer more The summer equinox, there. his shadow can go right over <laughs> Donovan Mitchell and swat the ball that he's laying up in his statue. It'd be yeah. fantastic. Okay. Those are expensive statues, by the way. I have <laughs> They're to not look $205 into that. million dollars expensive, though. <laughs> no, Rudy can throw one in. <laughs> Okay, uh, the the league opener, Jazz against Portland. Um, thoughts on that game? I mean, we came out just firing in Portland. In Portland, I so I have a thought. Um, I was so shocked that Damian Lillard was so bad. I legit <laughs> told like half my family that I think Lillard has COVID because he played terrible. Like he didn't even look interested in the game to me. I've never seen Damian Lillard play like that. And usually he plays the jazz and he just lights us up like a Christmas right, tree. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was shocked. Did he, he didn't he score till third quarter. Right. No. That's incredible. Scoreless at halftime. Ended up with what? Nine points on the game. Like, do you think it was our defense? Do you think he just had an off night? Did you see the way Donovan Mitchell was guarding him? Every time there was a screen, Donovan wouldn't go over or under for, for the switch. He always would stay with Damien. And regardless of who was shooting the ball, he'd let him. He wouldn't even step over, wouldn't raise a hand. He never left Damian's side. Yeah. So you got to give some of that credit yeah. to Donovan Mitchell's defense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I want to know the last time Lillard scored in single digits, having played the whole game. If, if anyone out there knows, send us a message. Let us know when the last time Lillard scored single-digit points. Was it, was it Weber State days? I mean, come on. Yeah, it's been a I, while, I'm sure. I was shocked. That was, that was my biggest takeaway from that game is I've never seen Lillard play that bad. <laughs> I really have it. But we played really well. Let's give the Jazz some We credit. shot incredibly well, especially from outside the arc. Yeah, yeah, 19 for 50 for 38% man in the arc. 50 threes. What's, what's your guys' thoughts on the whole shoot as many threes as you can that the Jazz have seemed to be doing um, in the preseason and in, into this game? I, I feel like if you have the personnel, if you have guys that can actually make them, shoot as many as you can get up that are good shots. And I felt like the jazz three point shots were actually good shots. They were open. They weren't really forcing anything. I mean, Jordan Clarkson seems to force about everything he shoots, but they happen to go in most of the time. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to keep wanting him to do what he does. We've been the other team on the receiving end of a team that shoots so many threes. And we're like, well, well, great. We'll just go down and make another layup and they'll go down and shoot another three and we'll never win the game. And it's interesting to be on the other side of that, where it's like, <laughs> you keep shooting those layups, guys. We're <laughs> going to pull ahead every time you score a point, because we're getting an extra point. 
And I feel like that's like kind of what Golden State did for a, a few years there. And now they're not the team that they were. And we may have the shooting percentages that they had in the time that they were a dynasty. Themselves. I hope it gets up to that. The last couple of games have not been that way that's for true. a couple of guys. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of demoralizing too. A team comes down, grinds out the shot clock. Even if they end up scoring, it's like, whew, okay, we got one on them. And then we come down in four seconds and jack up a three and it goes in. It's like, yeah. holy cow. How that, do you, that is a mental you game do? you got to play. Yeah. The question is, what would Jerry Sloan do <laughs> if he knew about these 53s that we shot the other night? Um, I don't know. Sloan wasn't one to like adjust to or conform to the league at all. No. Um, I think as long as they were coming off a pick and roll, maybe. <laughs> but it's cra- It is crazy, though, how much the game has changed. Like, I mean, I watched some of those old Jazz Bulls finals games and like, Unless Hornacek or Russell was wide open, like the Jazz did not approach the game to get a three point shot. That was like almost like a last resort. That's what I was going to say that the three pointer was to win it. Yeah. It was like you go down, you do your two points every time. But if it's like, okay, we need to be up, we need to be ahead, we've only got 14 seconds left, we need a three pointer. That was, that was when you pulled that trigger. Now, now it's every the, the second option is to run <laughs> yeah. and get in the paint. That's, that's got to be part of why, too, you, you listen to all these interviews of the guys who played in the 80s and 90s, and they all say how, how soft the league is now, and you can't even touch people anymore. It's got to be something to do with that as well, because there's not as many paint touches anymore. I mean, it was a grind-out battle, getting to the rim, physical contest back then, because there wasn't the, the shooting ability that we have today. Yeah. And now, I don't want to say people settle for threes, but that's the first option with most teams now. So, I don't know. It's it's amazing what the league has done. And I think we owe a lot of that to those Warriors and Curry. Right. He just changed the game. It's amazing. Yep. Um, but what a way to come out of the season. We ended up winning. 20-point win. 120 to 100. Hold Damian Lillard, one of the leading scorers in the league, to nine points. I love it. I give all the credit to Donovan on that one. He played sensational as well. And he led point, and he did a, a great job carrying the team in a good direction. That's what I like about our team. It's like you, you give the credit to Donovan. I'd probably give it to somebody else. Jordan, you'd probably give it to somebody else. I'm looking down the list, and we had seven guys in double figures that game. Jordan Clarkson also had an amazing game yeah. against Portland. You and Rudy, 20 and 17 from Rudy. Exactly. Yes. You can go down the list and say, oh, this guy won us again. Oh, this guy. Oh, look at him. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So when we're playing, when we're, that was when we're playing, we're playing. Uh, to, to follow that game and to come in and lose, um, I hate to just go straight to, this, to game two, but it's got to be addressed. Um, we had more turnovers in that second game against uh, Minnesota. It was it was super frustrating. And you want to talk about how upset Jerry would have been about the number of three pointers? How upset would he have been about the number of turnovers uh, that the Utah Jazz had against Minnesota at home? Not happening. There would have that been some happen. people benched. Yeah, he didn't have a very. Uh he had kind of a short fuse when it came to people making mistakes. Uh, you would be riding the pine in the doghouse for a few games at times if you were uh, screwing up a lot. Yeah, he doesn't. He wasn't much of a smiling man, was he? <laughs> no. <laughs> when was the last time you saw Coach Q smile? Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Coach- he's, he's he's wearing all black this season. I don't know if you guys read that article. 
No, go about, on. Uh, so in the, in the bubble, they wanted all the coaches to be in professional attire. And so you either had to have a proper button-up shirt or a polo. If you were wearing a polo, it had to be color selective. So you couldn't wear too bright of a color. And, and Coach Snyder got put in charge of uh, regulating this for some reason. And he was like, uh, I'm trying to stop Murray from scoring 51 points a game. I don't have time to go tell someone that their shirt's too fluorescent blue. <laughs> so he was like, you know what we're going to do for the whole season? All black, all season, we're going Johnny Cash 2021. That's literally what he said, we're going Johnny Cash. <laughs> the man in black. I love the man it. in black. I love it. Um, <laughs> wearing black didn't do so well against Minnesota. Um, yeah, that's Talk true. about a frustrating game. Coming off such a high with Portland, um, it seems like everything went wrong. Our shooting was, was way down. Um, our turnovers, like you said, were crazy. And they were stupid turnovers, a lot of them. Just silly Dumb mistakes. It wasn't the defense that caused them. It was just us being silly. I don't know. What are, what are you most disappointed? Or, or are there any good things out of this game? It was nice to see Ricky. Ricky is. <laughs> he's a special guy. I love Ricky. He didn't hurt us. Um, he only had nine points in the game. But um, I don't know if his intel for the Minnesota was uh, in a way, a way crippling for the Jazz, knowing our offense, knowing our defense. I, I don't know. I I mean, you got to think that would help a little bit to have a player that recently was on a team and could give a little, I guess, insider information. But I personally, I see a good thing in the fact that we had a chance to tie the game um, and we played, I mean, Mitchell and Bogey couldn't have played much worse. And that's two of your you know main players. And for Bogey to not even get that inbound pass and that just about killed me. And I, I just thought that is so... <laughs> That is so jazz-like to not get that ball <laughs> inbounded. To even get It'll never shot. happen again this season. I guarantee Bogey will never make that mistake again himself. I hope not. No way. That's I, embarrassing. I hope this isn't a Charles Barkley prediction. <laughs> I'm going to put $100 it, it, on the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of humbling. You know, you come out, you, you win a game on 20, they're like, oh, jazz, they're contenders. Uh, maybe the Jazz haven't changed at all. They completely suck. It's true. But, I mean, at some point, the players got to be like, you're right. I got to pull my head out, and I can't make mistakes like that anymore. I want to be known as a title contender. I got to make decisions like a title contender makes. Pass the ball in bounds. That's all you got to do. It's a, it's Throw it in, for heaven's sake. <laughs> but we had a chance. I mean, in a game like that, as bad as they played, to have a chance to still send that into overtime is a miracle, in my opinion. So we, that we, we did a have a good, a good comeback there. Yeah, we did not came short. We did not deserve to be that close in no. that game. The way we played for three and a half quarters, it was it was not a thing we should have even been in. Um, going over some low lights here, uh, Donovan and Bogey combined <laughs> went nine for thirty nine. Wow, which is what. 20, 20%. That's like what T. Kurt got on one of his Spanish tests back in Senor Black's <laughs> right. class. And I was happy about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I took French. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um, Rudy's been fantastic. He didn't let up one bit that game. Um, we, he was one of our only positive guys for the night, um, him, him and Conley. Conley's been playing great, too. Um, but Bogey and Mitchell, they, they got to figure out how to find it in those in those games. And I don't even think Donovan's found it yet. No. Yeah, I know he had a good four minutes at the end of the last game, which we'll get to in just a sec, but, uh, I mean, he's got to find it somewhere. Yeah, I, 
I would say uh, one of my surprises, though, with, and it's been nice because Mitchell has struggled, has been Mike Conley. I feel like last year when we, you know, or whenever that was when we got Conley, I was really excited because I, I like Mike Conley, but he did not look comfortable in a Jazz uniform to start the year out last year before all the COVID stuff. And I feel like in the bubble, he started to play a lot better. And this year, he, he looks very comfortable on the basketball court for the Jazz. He looks like what we paid for coming yeah. to the Jazz. There was a lot of people who were hyped when he came, and then a lot of, a lot of uh, what's it called, uh, buyer's regret, remorse, I guess it was, <laughs> a little bit of that. But, but in the, like, like you say, I, I 100% agree with that. That's the Mike Conley I expect to see on the court is how he's playing now, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, he's, he's shooting great. Um, a little bit of more statistics from that night. Uh, Royce O'Neal rebounded like crazy, had 13 rebounds, or seven, excuse me, 13 rebounds on the game, which is, I think it said a career high. Yeah, for, for, his, for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's he's, awesome. He's not scoring the ball like we're, we're somewhat used to. Um, he's usually good for 10, 12 points a game. Um, but but he was he was rebounding. And you can see a difference, too. He seems to be, especially on the offensive end, he's attacking the glass. Usually you don't see a whole lot of offensive rebounders that aren't just big brutes in the paint, just already happen to be there. But he is he is rushing the the rim from the three point line, looking for those O boards, which is which is fun because you don't yeah. see it a lot in teams. I worry his stats aren't always going to be that great. I, I worry that he's not going to get a lot of credit for what he does on the team. He does do a little bit of facilitating, like he's not going to be a guy that's going to get triple doubles each game. Um, but he's somebody who knows the other players on the court and is going to help facilitate the ball around the way that we want it to be. So we got to remember. Just because Royce doesn't have 30 points in a game like Jordan Clarkson, he's still an important role player on the team. Yeah, it's, I was just looking at Royce that game, and that plus-minus stat sure an interesting stat. Yeah, I mean, you I look hate at, it. You look at Royce, 13 rebounds, 2 for 4 shooting, Negative. minus 16. Minus 16. Is that kind of weird? I don't know. I don't like it. The plus-minus, to me, it seems more like a, a lineup statistic. Individual, it's so hard and it's so skewed. But if you can get five guys who are on the floor together and get their plus minus for that time, that's true. I feel like that's where it's it can be useful is is to go over starting lineups and, and changes or, or ending lineups, and you can get a good a good analysis from there. But like like you said, minus sixteen for the game from Royce, weird. who was one of our better guys that night. Um, I don't like it. No, I gotta say, uh, Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert are two nails. Are two aces in the hole so far this season. Yeah. They're not blowing anybody away in anything, but they're consistently good. And that makes me feel good. I, I agree. Like They've been the best players. I think so too. The yep. most consistent, reliable players that we've had on the on the roster so far this year. So and why not? They should be. We should expect that from them, really. Exactly. We're paying them a, a few dollars. A couple bob. Yeah. A little better than <laughs> I make at the bank. Just a little bit. Just a little, just a little bit. Yeah. Not even noticeable <laughs> from a hey, distance. Also, what's your thoughts on old Anthony Edwards? Uh, number one draft pick went to Minnesota, and he kind of lit us up a little bit. Edwards. I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly not a big college basketball watcher lately, but and I was kind of – on the fence with old Edwards. Just, I didn't know a whole lot about him. He didn't seem like a tremendous playmaker or scorer, but 
He went off. He went eight for 12, had 18 points on us. Um, he looked extremely comfortable out there. Attacked Rudy a couple times. He looked good. Yeah, and if I remember right, that pick was scrutinized quite a bit. I, f- I think it shocked a lot of people that he did go number one. I don't know if people were thinking that Wiseman, mm-hmm. <laughs> Wiseman, however you say it. I don't know if people thought he would go number one, but he was he looked like a number one pick to me. He certainly did. Off the bench now, I, I assume he'll get a starting position by the time the, the year's over. Those percentages are good. Eight for 12 and two for three on three-pointer. That's... That's some yeah. starting. That, you want that on your yeah, lineup? Yeah, for a for a nineteen year old, phew. dial go that get, in. Go get it. Okay, can we can we get rid of this game real quick? Please, I'm hey, tired of looking at those stats. That game, that game is over. Let's and go to another sloppy one. To be honest, the Thunder game last night was not much better. <laughs> no, not much better. I didn't feel great the whole time. No, watching the game. That I I have a comment about that. So, is it true that we really haven't beat? the Thunder in 10 years in the regular season. We beat them in the playoffs in OKC. I think they said it's been 10 years since we beat the Thunder in OKC in the regular season. I call BS. No. I don't believe it. It's something crazy They They put it on the the screen the other night. It said 16 games. We've lost 16 in a row in Oklahoma. So I don't know how many years that that goes on I don't know where I got 10 years. But that's a long time. So... Um, and you remember the last time we were in OKC, don't you? Don't you? <laughs> don't you? Don't you now? <laughs> yeah. That was the D Day in March oh. when Gobert shut the league down. That's right. So, do, do you think? Okay, envision yourself. You're a player. Is that coming into your mind when you walk in? No, <laughs> I'm getting one no. nod no. and one shake in his head. There was no. only one person that affected, and that was LeBron James for so many years in. Utah, who he had a, it must have been oh, almost an eight-year yep. drought in Utah. Yeah, that's real deal. OKC, I ain't worried about that. No, I'm, I'm talking about the whole COVID thing. The oh, whole shutdown. Okay, okay. We're waiting I'm, in the locker right. room, coming in on the floor, leaving the floor, and then sending fans home. Do you right. think that's going through guys' heads? Interesting. I'll bet Co- uh, Gobert was on his best behavior. I bet he wasn't <laughs> licking anybody, hugging anybody, <laughs> spitting on microphones. I'll bet he was a little bit more behaved. Not sharing his fries. Right. From McDonald's with anybody. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like if you're Rudy, it, I mean, how do you not? Yeah. Mitchell said... He stayed in the same exact hotel room in the same hotel. Like, how eerie is that? So I, I don't like that. That's pretty. By the way, I think I'm gonna fire my stat lady that gave me that ten year stat. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm embarrassed. You know, we already ass. let her go. Yeah, I mean, I was, I wasn't paying her great, but my gosh, give me some better statistics than that. Speaking of em- employees and that, how about our new introduction girl there? She sounds hot. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Yeah. No, yeah. that's exciting though, yeah. right? Yeah, you guys are welcome. That's that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty neat. <laughs> big time. Um yeah, uh biggest things for me out of that game, Bogdanovich and Mitchell. Right. Still struggling, especially in that first half. Bogey finally came alive in the second half, got us going on a little run of his own, but man, they were they've been bad the last couple of games. They've been just flat out bad. And we still win. Yeah. To to the one of the worst teams in the league. Are Barely. they? Oh. Yeah. They or projected. Be. Shoot. Well, that they have make good. Me... They have well, decent players. Louis but... Dorte was pretty good. Yeah, let's talk about him. Number five. Can we talk about his name? Lou Dort. Lou Dort. 
Is, that's a good that's name. really how you say that's it? That's his name. I think it's Lou Gwentz. Is that yeah, right? I think so. That looks like a D, not a G. No, Lou, that's his first name. Is oh. Lou Gwentz. <laughs> Dort. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, he made, li- he made life hard for Donovan Mitchell last night. He sure did. He certainly did. But I have to say, I was so glad that the basket that won the game was Donovan Mitchell against Louis Dorte. <laughs> because he'd been on Mitchell all night, making it hard. And, and I'd love that Mitchell had the confidence to go up and make that winning shot against him. That wasn't a hard shot either. It was almost ugly, really, but it went in. I was, pre- I was pretty nervous. <laughs> I, I love Mitchell, but I'm going to be honest. That's one thing I don't feel like, as far as like taking the last shot, I mean, a lot of guys don't make that shot. But I feel like Mitchell, looking back, there's not a lot of times on that last possession. He's young, so he hasn't done it a lot, but I, I was nervous. I, I don't think I would have picked Mitchell to shoot that shot. I'm going to be honest, just because of the way he was playing. But I'm sure glad he came through. Yeah, that was big. I Dort honestly impressed me. I remember him from the playoffs last year, guarding Harden a little bit. He had one game where he went off offensively, um, but known for his defense, undrafted, chip on his shoulder. He's very physical on the ball. Yeah. I think that gets to Mitchell a little bit. I think Mitchell is, is very comfortable against... Um, when he's quicker than him and when he can finesse his way around guys, but where with a physical defender like that, he struggled all night, ended up going eight for 23, which is not good. And that's including the fourth quarter when he, he was actually pretty impressive. Yeah. I think he scored 12 points and under the last five minutes, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. He, he really, I mean, very impressive to have such a bad game, but really come up big when it matters. Are, do you consider the Utah jazz a clutch basketball team? Um, I'm talking in, when the game is within five points and there's less than five minutes to go, do the Jazz perform on a level where they can win a game? I, th- I would say we are tipping the scale. In the past, I'm going to say no. Right. I agree. So if, what, what's, your, what's your top two players then to make your clutch shots? Bogey and, and Bogdanovich. Okay. Those are my two. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> that truth, you had me. I got you. You got me. <laughs> no, I know. I was, I was like, who's the other guy? <laughs> no, I just remember I was at that Milwaukee game last year when he hit that three in the corner to win it. Huge. Oh. And I just think of that and the one against Houston last year. Yeah. He he is probably our clutchest guy, and I'd put it in his hands. I'm surprised he was inbounding the ball the other night against Minnesota because he was not available to shoot. So, in a sense, Rudy Gobert to me is a clutch player because of his defensive plays in the last minutes of, of some games. And I think it said statistically that in that situation where the game's within five he's points the and there's five, he's the number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he scored 164 baskets in that exact scenario. So really, he's also an offensive yeah. clutch player. And, and maybe they're missed shots by our guys and he puts it back up on the board. But he has to be in the last five minutes of every game. Absolutely. If it's close, which is crazy. The hard part is how often do you see um, an isolation play when the clock's 10 seconds left? Every time, right? It's a one-on-one. You sometimes will see a ball screen, but that's, the, that's why you don't think of Rudy as this clutch player because he, he can't isolate like that. He can't go one-on-one. It's just not in his way. But, but it's, it's cool to see some of these stats come out that are saying he's, he's dominating, on, especially the defensive end in clutch time. Yeah, the crazy part about that that last shot the Thunder had is I felt like the layup was there, 
But it just makes you wonder how much just seeing, you know, Rudy there. Rudy didn't even really get much of a hand up in his face. But you could tell the guy didn't shoot it normal. If if Rudy wouldn't have been there, I, I really kind of think it would have went in. Yeah, Mike Conley wasn't slowing that guy down. Who was the only other guy in the paint yeah. on that position? David Loki said, in case you're wondering, Rudy Gobert had 17 <laughs> screen assists that led to 42 points. We went over this last. OKC. We went over this last year. If, screen if assist. Screen assist should be a thing because Rudy is dominant on his screens. <laughs> Forty-two have, points. <laughs> have you guys noticed? I always notice this during the Jazz broadcast. Bowler Jack and Harpering will come up with this stat that is like oh, swayed <laughs> so much to make a Jazz player look good. Like, did you know that Joe Ingles has the most assists within the last three minutes of the third quarter in the NBA? In the world. Like, it'll be like the most random stat. But hey, they make our Jazz look good, and that's that's all you can Joe ask Joe Ingles for. is the highest assist left-hand player with a specific number of minutes. <laughs> on, thurs- yeah. on Thursdays. On Thursday From evenings. From Australia. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We got to come up with our own. Yeah. That's hilarious. I love that. That's a good observation. Yeah. I have another question. Can I ask another question? Yes. So you know when you like do something that's kind of weird and you like want to ask your friends if they do it too just so you feel better? <laughs> no. Okay. So I do that. Okay. And so I do this thing because my wife a lot of times like she really likes the jazz but maybe she'll be like, you know, on her phone looking on, you know, Poshmark or something like that. <laughs> And if there's a good play, like I will rewind it and make her watch it. And she's always willing to watch it. Like it's so cool. But like I feel like that's something really weird that I do. But I'm so grateful to have a wife that like puts up with that and is willing to watch the play, you know, after it's already happened. It is I don't know how I got on this topic, but what do you guys think about that? <laughs> Sorry, I was just wiping I need some tissues. <laughs> Sorry, that was touching. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't, my wife would leave me if I made her do that. So you're lucky. I I wouldn't say I rewind because I'm like super paranoid about not being live on the, on the game because I'll get an alert or something and I'll know before it happens. Anyways. But yeah, I mean, my wife definitely knows when there's a jazz game on, she, she just doesn't go near the remote. It's like, uh, she's not watching her show and she knows it now. And it's, it's kind of nice. Yeah. So I'm I'm just the only weird one. Really weird. We knew that before you mentioned that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I have some chatter. I want to bring this is a bit random. And this is hot off the we're, press. We're getting random. So uh, go for have, it. Have any of you heard any trade rumors about Kevin Love and Colin Sexton coming from uh, the Cavaliers? For to Mike, the Jazz? To the Jazz for Mike Conley. Ooh. Have you heard that? I have not. That's the latest off the press today. What? Yeah. I don't like it. You don't like it? No. Tell me your thoughts. Why, why would it be like good? Why would it be bad? He, like 97. Years old. Okay. I'll check. I'll, who's your stat lady? Well, <laughs> next week's stat lady will be better. I haven't hired her yet. Okay. Okay. The interview process. Okay, so, so wait, you guys haven't heard that rumor? No. I have not heard you that You haven't yet. heard that rumor? No. Okay. So oh, maybe it's just a fart in the wind. Um, <laughs> would, you, would you go for it? No. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because... I, we already have a great white player, uh, a couple great white players on the team. We don't need Kevin Love. And besides that, when, when Mitchell's having a rough game, you've got to be able to rely on Mike Conley to be the mature point guard, assist, point, make smart plays. And we, you, you give up Mike Conley, 
that's too much pressure on Donovan Mitchell, and it's not going to work out well for the Jazz. And Colin, correct me if I'm wrong, he is more of a scoring guard. He's not a pass-first guard. We already have that in Mitchell, and Conley has been right. willing to take a step back and kind of be more of a facilitator and a scoring guard when needed. Right. Conley, I mean, we've already went so far with Conley to kind of get him comfortable with the Jazz. To incorporate, to I mean, to get Kevin Love and Sexton in there, I just don't know. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. If if injuries weren't a thing for Kevin Love, he got hurt last night. He's out two to three weeks right now. Yeah. Um, if those weren't a thing, I would definitely be looking at it because for for one reason, I think Donovan Mitchell is the Jazz's future point guard. Um, in the in the long term, I think Conley is great. And he's figuring out his role finally. But um, his contract's up after this year. I don't know if the Jazz are going to resign him or not. So I think moving Mitchell to the point guard is inevitable. And that way you get a very good power forward in Kevin Love to, to fill that roster up. Which um, we, we do lack size a little bit. We're starting uh, Royce and Bogey at our forwards. And, and so it's like that would be something we lack right now. But... I don't love it just because of the injuries. Um, I just was that a pun intended? The love, love it, love. I don't Kevin love, love. love. I'm sorry, love it. So, my thoughts. I, I hadn't heard that before. That's very interesting. Trade rumors are going to be going around like crazy right. this year. It's gonna a- be- after your comment on that, Jackson. That makes me think how much abuse Bogey and O'Neill have to take because of their size difference in their position. And I and I know that Bogey's on the recovery from an injury uh, surgery. O'Neal, he muscled up this offseason. I mean, he was doing a lot of workout, and I think that might have been why, because they said, hey, you're going to be in a position where you are going to be guarding a bigger guy all night. Yeah, and I I remember Bogey saying, and Snyder as well, saying they were going to utilize him more in the post this year. Right, That's oh yeah, that's right. But him playing at the four, he's being guarded by a bigger guy, so I haven't seen that a whole lot. I think he did a couple times last night, but not very many. Um, So I wonder if that's part of why we haven't seen that. Right. being utilized yet either. So I don't know. But if there's a mastermind when it, beco- when it comes to um, lineups and, and throwing different guys at people, Quinn's the man. Okay. So in, in Quinn, we trust. In Quinn, we trust. Let's get some coinage for that since the U.S. dollar's not worth anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, next game, Phoenix Suns. What are your thoughts, guys? I'm, I'm expecting Mitchell to have a huge, huge night. I, th- I feel it. I not feel only it. scoring, I'm going to see him get eight assists. I think that's what he's kicking himself at. I mean, he took 23 shots the other night, went what, 6 for 23, 8 for 23, something like that. I think his assist numbers are going to be off the charts, um, out of the norm for him. And then because of that as well, the pressure is going to be off and he's going to knock down his shots too. It's my prediction. Jazz by 12. Hey, by the way, I guess the Jazz win Portland by 16. Yeah, you were four. Po- you were off. Oh, I thought that was pretty bloody good. <laughs> yeah, that's decent. So what are your thoughts, Sons? I, I expect uh, to see a lot of whining from Chris Paul, which happens Naturally. every time he plays the Jazz. Shaka. Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think Devin Booker and Mitchell are going to have kind of one of those games where they're both kind of lighting it up. Yep. I, I I think it's going to be a close game. I, I'm going to say Jazz by five, but I think it's going to be a nail biter. I love it when people pull out numbers. Can we put something on this? Yeah. Like lunch or something? Yeah. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah, okay. Whoever's the closest to this score. I'm saying Jazz by 12. 
We got five. Tyson, you're up. Oh, I'm going to say another one point game, Utah Jazz. Okay. And I'm going to, yeah. This will be good fun. About it. Lunch. Yeah. I'm, How I'm about serious. If we we haven't us... lost to the Suns all year, and we've played them a couple times. So Yeah, preseason. I, I think if all of us are wrong, I think we have the, the Australian girl buy us lunch if none of us are right. That's kind of a lose-lose for me, but uh, I mean... <laughs> oh, you know her? <laughs> well, I, 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 that's, you'll have to ask her. I don't know if she claims. <laughs> okay. So that'll be the last game of the year. Last game for of the year. For 2020. Yeah. And then we can finally move on with our lives to 2021. <laughs> you made me sad for a sec. I was like, the season's over? <laughs> the last game? Yeah, there Jordan, were COVID? Jordan's fiscal year goes from, <laughs> from jazz opening night to the end of the season. Right. That's right. Sorry, 2021... We're going to close it off with a game-winning shot. I hope so. That'd be cool. Yeah. I can't wait. High scoring. I think both teams will be over 100. Over 115. Whole oh teams. Oh, my gosh. This guy's incredible. Okay. I love it. At the Vivint Arena, Salt Lake City, hosting the Suns, last night of 2020. Utah Jazz. It's going to be a fun night. The season is here finally after this long, extended time off. I cannot wait. Uh, We're three games in and I'm going crazy already. Jordan, it's been a blast. Thanks for coming by again. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope it's not the last. Well, as as soon as we get our reviews back for the the episode, we'll know. I know Marley's going to be ticked. (laughs) I know this will be the last time I let you on the podcast this year. Oh, hey, don't do that. You know, <laughs> I tricked you quit again. the last. I hate the word last. It makes me so sad. Jazz against Phoenix on the 31st. Tune into that. Go crazy. Um, and expect a, a post game next week. We will see you then. Or, or you will hear us then. Adios. Au revoir.